everyone. Welcome to another episode of Happening on the Hudson, where you can get all your Hudson County, New Jersey news, events, gossip, interviews with locals, and so much more. I'm really excited to announce that this week we are finally up and running on YouTube. I figured out how to get it going video style, and I am very excited about this. I've been trying to do this for a few weeks now, but it hasn't been the easiest. So not only can you listen to us on Spotify and Apple, but you can also subscribe and watch along on YouTube if that's something that you're into. So really excited about that. Normally with these episodes, I like to talk a little bit about some news that happened recently, and then I'll end the episode with some events. And in the middle, it could be an interview or a fun segment. But this week, we're going to do things a little bit differently in the spirit of Valentine's Day, but not for the people in relationships. This episode is special for the singles of Hudson County, New Jersey. Yeah, you heard that right. The singles. And, you know, even if you don't live in Hudson County, New Jersey, it's a really informative interview. I have on a professional dating coach and matchmaker. His name is Hunt Etheridge. He's worked with some reality TV stars. He's worked with countless amounts of people around the Hudson County area and Manhattan find love. And he gives such great advice on dating right now, especially in such a big city area like we are in here. So check this interview out. I hope you love it. And as always, every other Tuesday, I will be recording and releasing on Thursdays. So next episode we'll get back into the news formatting and events so if that sounds like something that you'd be into please hit that subscribe button let's get right into this interview so everybody i'm here with hunt etheridge he's a professional dating coach and matchmaker i've seen him do some interviews with um, some contestants from love is blind and too hot to handle indian matchmaker just to name a couple and he works with countless people helping them you know, on the road to success for love in Hudson County, as well as New York City. So thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you. So glad that we could make it work. I love to uh, to chat and it's good to uh, meet you for the first time. I know. I'm so excited. We had a little hiccup this morning, was supposed to be in person, but we ended up making it work. <laughs> we got it. We got it. We're adaptable. We're humans. We can do this. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to this interview that's going to be coming out Valentine's Day week. I think so many people get lost in kind of it being a relationship holiday, but I think it's just about celebrating love, whether it's looking for love, um, dating, and even if you're single, it's time to embrace it. And if you're feeling a little sad, no, a little advice doesn't hurt. I have always found that New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day are the two best holidays to find somebody single. Because basically yeah. anytime, if you are out, anybody you see is single. Yeah. there Because everyone else is in a couple that night doing kind of couple things. So basically almost 100% of the people are out there kind of feeling slightly melancholy or wishing that they had someone, even if it's just to spend an entertaining evening with however you want to define entertaining. But yeah, I've always found people are very receptive on both of those days to to meeting someone. That's really great. I actually never thought of it that way. But I want to get started off talking about online dating and specifically yeah. apps like Tinder and Hinge because they're just such a phenomenon now. And I think 
this has become such a normal way of dating. Now, that being said, while I've heard a couple success stories, there's so many issues with it too. And I just want to know, in your opinion, what you think some of the downsides are to dating on an app. Sure. Uh, like anything else, it's a tool. And if you use it correctly, it can help you. And if you use it incorrectly, it can inadvertently hurt you. And I think that that's what's happening to a lot of people that are getting frustrated with it too, because at its core, well, there's two issues here. The first one being um, the, the goal of the website is to extract money from you, not to help you find a date that is secondary mm -hmm. to it. So and, and that's okay if you have your eyes open on that, but it's kind of like they create a middling experience on it because if it's too bad, you get off of it. And if they're too good at their job, they just lost you as a customer. So they kind of aim for this middle. So you just get frustrated enough. And every, almost every 98% of all of the dating websites are owned by two companies, Spark, which owns eNetwork and the Match Group's uh, parent company, which owns basically everything else. So you have a middling experience on this one, then yeah. you leave it, then you go on to this one and you have a middling experience and then you go on to a different one. And you just triple dipped, you know, for the company. And they are very happy with how that went right. Now, on the non-business side, the issue that comes within on the user side is that it's a bit of a shopping list and that we are only getting what yeah. we ask for and not what we need. And very, very few of us actually know what we need. Mm -hmm. So we're creating our own issues unknowingly a lot of times as well too. So we can pigeonhole our own selves by you know, clicking all, all of these buttons and, and all of a sudden we're just really, 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 really start narrowing our own nets and it becomes exactly. difficult. That's a huge problem with the app. It's just the limited amount of information that you get on somebody. So you zero in on one little detail, whether yep. it's how they look or Oh, they have a picture with the dog. Oh, I guess that we're a match. And it's just so hard to look at it that way. Yep. So I was thinking that, you know, we don't have control over the apps that uh, the, the, like um, the profiles that we're seeing, right. When we're swiping through, we can't control what they're putting in their profile. Mm -hmm. But do you have any advice for somebody that could make their profile just a little bit extra, themselves or personal that maybe on the other side someone swiping will go hey you know what totally something that they said or put in here really stands out to me um so yeah like if you had yeah. to design a profile for somebody what would you well the first thing i want to do is you always got to do a little bit of corporate espionage and what i really recommend is check out what your competition is doing mm -hmm. either get a friend or mess with your settings uh depending on you know the apps they may or may not let you do it see what other if you're straight cis dude, see what other women see as they are flipping through. So you can understand the market, if you will. Mm -hmm. Are you go and there's two ways to kind of approach these things. You can either compete with the market or you can flip the script on the market. Like, you know, you'll see the classic dudes with the dog or like the outdoor canoe. But if you're not that sort of dude, you find like the quirky dudes that have pictures of them on New Year's Eve with silly hats and things like that, because that kind of flips the scripts and shows them in a different way as well too. Yeah. Um, and what I have found, like kind of like you mentioned, oh, we have a dog, they've got a dog, I've got a dog, we're a match. So many people are focused on the interests and not the values. 
And mm-hmm. that's where we get into some problems because opposites attract when it comes to interest, but not when it comes to values. And so we as daters need to figure out as quickly as possible what those other values of the people are. So mm-hmm. for instance, if one of your values is family values in your dating profile, the best way of finding asking about someone else is talking about you. Mm-hmm. So I am the type of person, like if I won the lottery, I would pay off all my nieces and nephews, um, college loans, and I would love to get a cabin on the lake for me and my extended family to spend some time. Okay. All right. I now know that you value family values. That's going to create, you know, a net of things to look into because so many times you see so much negativity on dating sites, no players. I don't want this. I don't like this. I don't want this. Like you said, a shopping list. Exactly. And those are also called disqualifiers. And look, if at the be at the very beginning, if you just meet someone and you're like, okay, what music do you like? And they're like, I like death and thrash metal. And you're like, okay, well, we're gonna move along because I just don't think this is gonna work. Um, yeah. Doesn't really, it's not that big of a deal. But if you had gone on three dates and created some sort of a foundation and and a rapport with each other, and then you found out that they like death metal and thrash metal, you'd just be like, oh, okay, I guess we're never going to concerts together. Anyways, can you pass the French fries? Because you've got a bit of a foundational uh, emotional connection at that point. So what I encourage is not to throw out too many accidental disqualifiers. People Mm -hmm. tend to list, which is very logical. What kind of music do you like? Well, I like boom, 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 boom. Instead, never list, always describe. What kind of music do you like? Let me tell you about my favorite concert. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about the artist that inspired me to move across the country. Let me tell you about the song that I've listened to the most and why, because that's the more important thing. It's not just listing things, um, you know, how it made you feel. Exactly. uh, Exactly. Because then what people do is see, can I fit into this person's life? Mm -hmm. Does this person's daily routine, daily life sound like something that I would like to join along with? Because there's one issue that keeps cut. Well, there's an infinite amount of issues, as I'm sure you're aware One of the issues is that so many beautiful, talented, successful women out there that the man doesn't see how they could fit in, doesn't Mm -hmm. see what he could bring to the table, doesn't see what, what, what she needs because she looks too perfect and too, you know, quote unquote, boss baby. And, Mm -hmm. and, and this can be a challenge because many women struggle with the fact of if I appear vulnerable, I lessen myself or I have to appear super strong, you know, or it's not worth the fight that my ancestors have, get, you know, gotten through all of these years too. And that's, there's an interior battle between all, between the men and the women on this point. But if you as a lady can show me how I could fit into your world, it's much easier for me to want to contact you rather than trying to create your Instagram reality, so to speak up there, where it's just like, well, she's got everything going for her. So I'm not going to, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think another one of the problems with these that, you know, just asking around to a lot of my friends who are using them now is they're saying so many people are on these for hookups now and Mm -hmm. they're just not taking it seriously. Um, They want to know, how do you ask someone their intentions almost right off the bat without becoming 
too harsh or just too assuming of the person that you matched with and turning them off by that. Totally. I get this question a lot. I'm going to see if I can find the actual one in my <laughs> notebook that I just covered this this uh, with one of my clients. Yeah, there's one. I see one that's better. Okay. So for instance, here's an example of things I use for my clients. We just talk about asking positive emotional questions. But down here, consider the circle as like the issue, something you want to know about that person. Mm-hmm. For instance, this person, do they have self-awareness? Are they aware of you know their strengths and weaknesses? If you say are you self-aware? You're not going to get a good answer because either it's going to be a stock answer. It's going to be a defensive answer. The masks go up, the the walls go up, whatever it is. But if you can ask a question that is tangential to the issue, like, do you have a love language? Mm -hmm. Oh, I really love acts of service. Okay. They know a little bit about themselves. Have you ever been to therapy? Oh yeah. Back when I was in high school, I first... And so each as you ask these tangential questions, while they're not directly addressing it, you're filling in that space around it. For instance, if you want to know if somebody has family values, you say, you ask an innocuous, what you think is innocuous question, tell me about your family. Well, not everybody had a good family. And you could accidentally be opening a can of worms. So you want to find out where these landmines may be before you accidentally step on any of them. So a question like, you know, tell me about holidays as a kid. That's going to tell you the type of relationship probably that they've got with their families that can then lead you into more, more questions as you kind of hear and follow up as well too. But if you can, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that you're trying to you know, avoid those inadvertent, you know, pitfalls at the beginning, then it allows you to build that, 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 that foundation again and that emotional connection. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and then the last little thing I have about these online dating issues is I had somebody write in and ask a question. So they want to know, they said, I get a lot of matches through online dating apps. The problem is I like to talk a little to see if there's anything there before I take the time to meet them for a date. Most of the time, the conversation goes stale or one of us stops answering before it gets anywhere. Small talk with a stranger is really exhausting and I get sick of it. What can I do to make the conversations more productive for both of us without coming off too strong at first. Cool. So a lot of fun things to unpack in there. So she Mm -hmm. says conversation, yet they've never met. So Mm -hmm. she may consider texting a conversation. Many men consider texting an annoyance. It is, Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to text. Texting is for setting up a time to meet. True. If it is a phone call, I can understand that one phone call to verify that you exist, that there, you can hear the tonality of their voice or a zoom thing. Like it's important to see, to, to kind of see that. And especially you don't want to know if you're wasting your time, mm-hmm. but that's it. Then it is time to get out there because you need to find out as quickly as possible. This is all about cost benefit analysis as well yeah. too. You want to know, so what I tell my 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 clients is no more than four back and forths. Mm-hmm. So you're before, not a fan of the little back and forth. Hey, what are you doing today? How's your day? Oh, got home from work. Sitting it on will the couch. kill it faster than anything else. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. One, usually if we're talking about cis hetero relationships, that's not how guys interact with each other or with other people. That's just like, I take myself off so many group chats because I look down and got like, 
36 unread messages and it keeps dinging and I'm like throwing it across the room. Like not Agreed. how I like yes. to communicate. But then and this is talking about communication styles, things which come into those value systems as well too. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I because people aren't looking for pen pals. Yeah. People are looking if there's a relationship. So you want to you want to whittle that down as quickly as possible. Also, only 20% of the information that we convey to each other is about the information. The rest of it is the tonality and the, the body language and if we're together and the pheromones and, and the nudges and touches and things like that. That's the important stuff. Don't waste that good interactions on emails or texts or things like that as well, too. I remember learning this is like back in the day, yeah. writing like two hour long emails back and forth to each other. And like after you've covered everything, there's no real mystery anymore. Yeah. I want to find I, out this information in real time, not, you know, over text. Yeah. I think probably so many good potential matches have gone to waste because of this, you know, like little meaningless conversations. And then maybe somebody doesn't feel like answering. I loved this question because back when I was using dating apps, I would say that this was my biggest problem was the small talk before you decided if you want to go out on a date. And I felt like so many things went flat because of that. Mm -hmm. And then I heard some really good advice um, that you could do FaceTime dates and maybe mm -hmm. like set up a few per night and just kind of like get a feel. And like you said, mm -hmm. body language, talking to them face to face, and you can get a good idea then if you want to go oh, out yeah. and spend time with just, and, and that's actually something I had to completely, I had to develop a whole new training program for Zoom dating in the last wow. three years because pre all of this, you know, learning how to present yourself in person is one skill set. Mm -hmm. Then online dating comes out and presenting yourself on paper, that's a completely different skill set. Yeah. And then with the pandemic, presenting yourself over Zoom is yet a third skill set. So people are trying to figure out ways to navigate and master all of these different things. And it is tough and confusing. Um, like like I'm sure you see some guys that do Zoom date and it's like they're like going like this talking and like it's just a big white screen behind there and they're just you know against their wall and it's like no 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 that's that's not going to do well for you yeah no i completely agree but yeah you want to you want to you know part of there's two sides of the coin one is to find the right person as quickly as possible and the other one is to identify the wrong people as quickly as possible and i think sure. that it's totally fine to cut to the chase a bit because that's the reason that we're all here I don't I think there's anything arguably. wrong with that. Personally, I know it might come off strong, but then I think you can at least find a partner that respects your honesty and yep. frontness. You don't want and to And there's a way time. for women to be aggressive or make the first move mm -hmm. and still give space for the guy to do some work and chase her because obviously the both sides have to do some work. You don't want to make it it's it you can't give everything to one side. We value more what we earn than what is given to us, but so many men been rejected so many times that sometimes we just don't want to bang your head up against the wall thinking you might get rejected so a way for a woman to kind of move this along or say like ask me out and let him know that he's not going to be rejected it's like you have that first couple conversations is like hey i saw that there's a music festival coming this weekend why don't you find us something cool to do so immediately he knows what you like oh good because i don't have to worry if i'm going to find something she likes and you're going to check whether or not he's going to do his due diligence and do yeah. some work as well, too. Um, and that can work in real time, too. If you're at a bar or a party, you walk up, hey, I, I like your, your sweater. Mm. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I just wanted to let you know. Um, I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriends for a little bit, but you should come find me later. 
oh, okay. Now yeah. you know, he knows the door's not going to get slammed in his face, but you also know that he's got to do some work. I like that. <laughs> I love that. Um, is there something in your opinion that you think is kind of a universal best first date for two people looking for a serious relationship? Is it the cliche, let's grab a coffee or a drink? Or do you have something that you usually tend to give? Okay, so friends? we'll put the coffee date, Zoom date in its own particular category of like the pre-date or the, the sussing out, which I'm fine with. We all have only so much time and we'll just, let's just see if there's a little bit of connection before we move on to, you know, blocking off a whole Friday or Saturday night for it. That being exactly. said, Socrates says I can learn more about a man in an hour of play than in a lifetime of conversation. So I am never the advocate for the dinner date and always the advocate for the activity date. Uh, I used to, when I was single, I used to bring people out in Hoboken to shoot pool. I want to see how you deal with winning. I want to see how you deal with losing. I want to see you how deal with competitiveness. I want to mm -hmm. see if you how do you deal with teasing or ball busting. I want to see how you treat uh, the staff. I want to see how you treat other people around you. It gives me the ability to go behind you and teach you how to shoot a combo, um, you know, allow some interaction, some chemistry there. And with holes and sticks and balls and racks, it gives you tons of innuendos and jokes to bring in if you want to. So, exactly. you know, that, that was, that was something I liked. Yeah. A nice test of someone's sense of humor. I think that could be something that, you know, you decide what's important to you too. And maybe you curate a yeah. date based around that. Like, for example, yeah. that would be something I would want to know how they roll with the punches. Can they make some jokes? Like you said, exactly. testing out the environment. It's such a great idea. And what, let me ask you a question. What is dating supposed to be? Not what is it, but what is it supposed to be? In my opinion, I think dating is supposed to be getting to know another person and then choosing if you decide to be in a relationship with that person based on that. Oh, <laughs> fun. Fun. And I understand implicitly that it doesn't mean that it is fun, but we do have to remember that dating is supposed to be fun and it is supposed to be an enjoyable activity not a slog, not a second date, not a, a, a ego crusher. Yeah. And I get that. So on these dates too, what I encourage people to do is do something you find fun, whatever that thing is for many reasons. One, if you're having fun, your body language opens up and you're excited and your eyes are sparkling and it's the best version of you. That's the version that you want other people to see. And two, if the date sucks, at least you had Fun. fun because usually the guy is always worried is she having fun yeah I choose the right spot so if you choose somewhere that i know you're going to enjoy oh it allows me to breathe a little bit yeah that's great um what do you think is there a line for what's an appropriate conversation to be having on a first date i'm going to go back to that word i just used in that First dates are supposed to be light and fun. They are not supposed to be a checklist of marriage material and whether or not this person is someone I'm going to bring home, which I think a lot of people forget, especially the older that we get. The point of a first date is simply to get a second date. Mm -hmm. That's it. And in your video interview that I had watched, you said something that I thought was such good advice. Um, somebody had mentioned wanting to find out someone's love language. So on a first date, it might come off as too interviewee to say, what's your love language? But you said something along the lines of talk about it like yourself. 
mm-hmm. say it about yourself or ask them about a memory in their life and you could tell a lot about totally. a person from yep. there. So I thought what's that your, was Katie, so what's your what's one what's your love language? What's a love language that you enjoy? Because we're all kind of a mixes of some of them. I mean, I like verbal affirmations and physical. Okay, so you ask someone, what's what's the best compliment you've ever received? Mm-hmm. And you're going to hear them. And that's going to be your love language. And you're going to be able to see their passion about it and whether or not that's close to their love language. Yeah. And then you can figure out some other questions kind of to test that as well, too. And I always find it absolutely amazing how much information that you can find out without anybody realizing that you're finding out that information, you know, within the context of conversation. Yeah, it's great. Finding a different way to rephrase it and ask them a question. Exactly. Because we've all heard the standardized, the standard question. What do you do? Where are you from? You know, what do you like to do for fun? Where'd you go to school? Just do something different. Stand out from the crowd. Create some chemistry. Yeah. What's the best best gift you've ever gotten? And they describe an experience. I mean, you learn so much about the person from that alone. What was the biggest sacrifice you've done for someone else that made you feel good? Yeah, exactly. You bang, you hit all those different types of, um, and I'll ask one thing and teach all of the logical questions that we ask each other. What do you do? Where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. can be asked as emotional questions. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, what's the best play, part of your area? What teacher inspired the most passion in you? You know, and, and that usually, people don't usually ask each other about the good and wonderful things that have happened to each other in their lives. So if you can be that person that does that, allows that person to remember and bring up all that positive emotion, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're a couple of steps ahead of everybody else already. Yeah. That's, I love that. Uh, my next question for you is what makes two people compatible? For example, there's some people that live by that saying that opposites attract, and then there's mm-hmm. others that feel their match needs to, to share those similar interests. So in your opinion, is there a way to spot compatibility with someone where you know what that is? I think that that's important you use that word compatible. It's great because we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Like I kind of mentioned previously, I have people compatible. It it doesn't have to be about interest. Interests are great. My my fiance or my fiance, my wife and I still read (laughs) um, fantasy books together. We both love fantasy books, but it doesn't make a difference if we're both sitting there reading next to each other, what the book it is, is the value is I like to go on adventures and learn things. Mm-hmm. I do. And, and, you know, we do it through books. So when you can learn to figure out these value systems too, and questions to ask to find out if you're compatible, um, you know, that that's going to help you much, much closer to get, to get closer, but also you need to get past the six to 18 month window because the six between somewhere between six and 18 months the dopamine serotonin fireworks love chemicals start to calm down into love chemicals which are more mature and comforting and that's also when the rose-colored glasses come off and that's where people can't keep up a front if they've been trying to before and what might have been a little quirk cute quirk before like the way she chews her food suddenly by this time becomes a sound that you just can't bear anymore but these rose colored glasses keep keep us on so it is important to kind of get at that the values for the compatibility um to combat without trying to sound like you're what are your values i don't most people wouldn't even know what they're it's more about having aligning values in your opinion than it is interests 
I think so. But that being said, in order for someone to be interesting, they have to be interested in something. So mm -hmm. they have to have interests. If you have no interests, you are not interesting. Exactly. It doesn't necessarily, like if you met someone that was like, I am so passionate about crocheting, you'd be like, freaking rock on. Why? Tell me, like, how did you get into that? That's awesome. Like, mm -hmm. what's been your best piece? Because you know, what does that entail? They know learning, sacrifice, uh, attention to detail, um, patience, um, and all of that's implied in things that you, when you have these interests. So the biggest mental switch that I, I work with my clients is the goal is not to get a girl or a guy, or the goal is not to get into a relationship because then we're unconsciously putting that above us, mm -hmm. putting it on a pedestal. And if that person turns around and looks down at you. That's not the person they want to be with. The goal is to turn ourselves into the type of people that are so interesting and dynamic and interesting and cool that it draws people to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, some people get annoyed. Well, I just want a quick tip and a trick. Like it's not quite that easy, but if you are confident in, in your own skin, it's as easy as just walking up to someone and saying, hi, how you doing? I'm Katie. Mm -hmm. And, but there usually is a lot of self-work that has to get there to that point. Um, and I think that it is getting back to that kind of that compatible thing. And here's where I may get some hate mail, but um, <laughs> 40 years ago, 30 years ago, men did not say, I need my wife to be able to talk about business with me. And I need her to be able to go to um, hockey games with me. You went to Rotary Club to talk about your business and you went to the hockey game with your boys from work mm -hmm. um, because you were looking for someone that was compatible to your life. Someone that added parts of it that you didn't have and you add parts of it that they don't have. Mm -hmm. However, now sometimes we are getting into a place where I hear the women say, I need, and where we get into that need versus want again, but I need a man that also has an advanced degree. I need a man that's over six feet. I need a man that is, uh, you know, went to an Ivy League and I need this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, one, they don't. And two, they're not looking for compatibility. They're looking for an equal, which is not necessarily the best idea. Two type A people in a relationship aren't necessarily going to be the best mix. But I think women are trying to figure out what this compatibility means to them and what I need to value moving forward. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, as far as first dates go or just starting to date someone, are there any subtle red flags that most people don't seem to recognize early on? Mm -hmm. I, For me, timing. Timing is one of them because I don't know you yet. All I have when you say your word, the only word you've given me is that you would be at a place at a time. And if you are not at a place at a time, that is the only promise you've ever given to me and it's already broken. And it may seem like a little thing, but it's as um, if you've been in relationships, Katie, I'm sure you can attest. It's never the big things. It's always the little things. It's the combination of little things, good or bad, that mm -hmm. stack up on top of each other. So 
I think, you know, especially for my men that may have a bit of a lower dating IQ or emotional intelligence, it's, it isn't these grand gestures that win a women's heart. It's these constant smaller gestures that um, show people that we care. Um, and with your clients, is there something that you would say is a reoccurring issue that you hear constantly from them when it comes to um, dating? So in its simplest way, my men need to be taught how to approach better and my women need to be taught how to be approachable better. And again, I'm making oversimplifications and overgeneralizations, but like, for instance, mm -hmm. my men come in kind of, and they're like, before a man comes to the problem, he's thought about it in his head for a long, 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 long time before he reaches out. So they come out to me, they're like, I'm broken, fix me. I'm like, no problem, dude, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Many times when I have um, women, they're of between 35 and 45, they've learned their entire life for reasons to hold men a bit at arm's length. They've learned to remove the barriers to allow men to come in, but they never necessarily learned the skills to go out and get on their own. And now they're so you know of this age and there are wonderful, wonderful people but just don't, they never, because they didn't need to, they didn't need to go out and find these things. And so many times that can come across as cynicism, jaded bitterness. And so for the women, the hardest part for me and the most necessary part for me is getting them back into the right mindset that this is supposed to be fun, that this is supposed to be enjoyable, mm -hmm. that this, that, because many times when people come in that first session with me, even if they met their perfect partner, their Apollo or their Aphrodite, would you be able to earn them? Are you in the right mindset? Are you are you feeling good about yourself? And usually the answer is no, yeah. even if they don't want to admit it. So part of this journey is just getting people back into a good headspace because even before the pandemic, nobody was saying dating is awesome right now. So, you know, I'm trying to help everybody That's with that. True bring a little joy back and bring that fun back because fun doesn't necessarily mean frivolity it just it, it means the ability to share emotions with each other and the ability to a bit compartmentalize some of the darkness that's going out there yeah exactly that is so deep i love that um all right last question before i get to some of the listeners questions for you is there a way to tell if you've met the one or is that just a myth the there movies. is a way to realize you've met the not one. I'll say that. Okay, I like that. There's 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 much easier ways of figuring out the not ones, which is really the only thing that we can do. Yeah. Can't find necessarily the one, but if we can weed out all the not ones, then it makes it much easier to, to find the one or let the one be able to come forward. So it is kind of finding out who aligns with me in, in these things as well too. Because um, there was a, a phrase I heard, every, all red colored, all red flags just look like flags when you're looking through rose colored glasses. Mm. So when we're in that lusty, fun aspect of it, we don't necessarily see a lot of those red flags. So we as daters need to start thinking of ways to figure out what their value systems are. Mm -hmm. Like do they, and it doesn't have to be this huge thing, but think of one or two deal breakers that are yeses and one or two deal breakers that are no and just kind of find fun ways of, like out like if you wanted to know like does this person think of you know what does this person think of the future how do they envision themselves you know you could ask a question like what, do, what would you do if you won the lottery 
And if they say I'd get a two, two seater sports car and cruise down route 66, you've got a pretty good idea of how they sort of view their future. But again, if they say I'd like to pay off all my nieces and nephews debts and, you know, buy some, okay. All right. All right. They've, they've got that. So, and we can all do that by asking positive emotional questions. Every question that can be asked logically, and this is Einstein's definition of insanity, we ask each other logical questions and expecting an emotional result. And that's not really going to happen so well. So yeah. part of it is trying to figure out ways if you want to find out what someone does. What was when was the last time your boss praised you? When you find out what someone's hobby is, like what was your what are you looking forward to the most this weekend? Um, if you want to find out if they like cars, like so when you got your first license, what was the what was the first thing that you did? You know, oh, oh, so I got this and I got that. And if you, you know, the point of any relationship, positive relationship is to make each other feel good. You know, yeah. friends and family, we like to be around people that make us feel good, that make us laugh, that make us, that support us. And in turn, we like to do the same, same for others. Compliments are needed and they're necessary, but they, they're low hanging fruit and they can mm-hmm. come across as insincere or generic or innuendo laden, but make, getting someone to feel good about themselves that's where the real magic lies. So being able to ask these questions that allow people to share the stories of the happy times in their lives. I'm always looking for new questions for that. Like I'll ask you this one, Katie, and I'm curious to hear what your answer is. What okay. is one of the most comfortable things you can ever remember sitting in? A uh, bead bag chair. <laughs> what color was it? I, I couldn't tell you. But where was this bean bag chair? I was a child and I was sleeping in it at a family's in Ireland because instead of a guest bed, they had a giant beanbag chair and it just helped me perfectly. See, as a kid. look at how much it comes from that because no one has sat in the most comfortable thing in the world at a funeral. True. In fact, they may have, but the association just isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the way I ask 100% of people in my life. I'm at a bar waiting for my wife, and there's a dude sitting next to me in the games on. Like, oh, hey, dude. Like, so what's the most amazing sporting event you've ever seen live? Oh, dude, there's this one time I saw Kobe and I played with Jordan, and it was awesome. And now he's excited being able to talk about this. So I think that this is a way that we can act with 100% of people in our life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm a hopeless romantic myself, but I've always said I don't believe in the one. I think there's the one that you choose to work on things with. There's the one mm-hmm. that you choose to build a life with. There's a one you choose to have that future with. Mm-hmm. And you decide that through fun and dating and learning, you know, if you're compatible in your opinion. And, and seeing you what's out values. there. So you have things to compare things against as well too. Learning what you don't want is just as important as learning what you do want too. So for the, a lot of those people that don't have a lot of dating experience, go out there and Getting bad dating experience is still getting dating experience because then you're learning out what is not important to you or what you don't like. And that is also very important. All right. Anyway, so are you ready for some questions from some listeners? Okay. This one is a simple one. This girl said, why do I keep attracting the wrong type of person? Is it me? Yes, would be the first one, but yes, with the ability to fix it. So one of the two main books that I ask everybody to read, one being the five love languages. The other one is, I'll just grab it right now. This one called Attached, which is about attachment theory. What attachment theory is basically about how we interact with relationships, how we come into them. 
If you have what's considered called a secure attachment style, then you're comfortable with the people that you're with, but there's other ones called anxious or avoidant. For instance, if you have an anxious attachment style, maybe your father left you when you were young and you have something in you that you have, it, it scares you to get close to people because you're afraid that they're going to leave you like your father was an avoidant style. Or if you have an, if you had a bad relationship or you only like bad boys and you, you get anxious and you need that, that those hits of emotions, which come dopamine or serotonin, or even the negative emotions, like, cort uh, you know, things like cortisol and stress hormones, um, because you need that anxiety, you feed off that anxiety. Once you learn what's going on in your own brain, then you can start learning how to how to go about doing that uh, to fixing it. There's a woman, wonderful woman named Dr. Wendy Walsh, who's a relationship um, doctor, basically gives a lot of talks about it. She herself was an anxious avoidant attachment style and knew it and knew she had to do the work to get over it so that she could trust people and get into relationships and things like that as well, too. And sometimes if you can identify the things like if you look at a guy and your lust and emotion just comes crashing through the roof, then you can start to identify maybe to go in the opposite direction of that person because that's your body talking or your emotions talking and not your logic talking. Um, but we won't understand necessarily what the triggers are that keep you going in that direction. For everybody, I recommend therapy. I've been to therapy. I love therapy. Everybody should go to therapy. Just helps you figure out how to direct your energies a little bit more. But there is a theory called Occam's razor in that all things being equal, the simplest answer is usually the most correct one. And so if you have been in 10 relationships and they've all ended badly and they're all similar people, then you would be the only common denominator in that. And, and the good thing about that is that means it's totally in control. And the bad thing about it is it means it's totally in your control. Um, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That you're going to have to fix on it. Yes. Fix, it's, it's fix it yourself. On. Work on it. I mean, not fix yeah. on it. Yeah, totally. But yeah, fixable. you knew what yeah, I mean. Especially <laughs> once you identify a problem, it's so much easier to fix it. Yeah, true. Okay, so the next person said, I just turned 32. And as a woman, it really makes me feel insecure that there aren't men out there willing to take me seriously because of my age. How do I get past feeling like I'm not in my dating prime? and start to believe that someone is going to fall in love with me, even though there's hundreds of single 20-somethings to choose from in this city. That I feel viscerally, because that's basically the sentiment I hear from a lot of women uh, in this city. And also we have to think about where we're looking or comparing to. Like, yeah, if you go out to McSorley's, you're going to be in competition with the 21 year olds and you're going to meet a bunch of doofus. 100%. And, yeah. and, and, you don't want to go to the uh, rotary meetings because it's all AARP meetings. And this is where like my industry comes in because look, good men, those good men exist. Like yeah. good men are out there, ladies. They still are existing. They're looking for age appropriate people, mm -hmm. looking for families. You just got to figure out where they are. The more you hide who you are or what you are, the harder it's going to be to find that other person. doesn't matter if you're 20 pounds overweight or four inches shorter than you think you should be. Someone is looking for that. Yeah. And the more you hide it, the harder it's going to be for you. And I and understand that we all have our own insecurities and hangups and totally understand that. I, I get that. I think people have a hard time with the idea of putting themselves out there in such a vulnerable position to be rejected. But 
in, like you said, you know, keeping with the timeline and just being more efficient, being upfront and putting it all out there and putting less edited photos on your dating app, or just saying, this is me and this is who I am. Yep. You're going to cut a lot of time out that you're pretending to be the best perfect version of yourself. Here's me on New Year's Eve. Here's me the morning after. Yeah. Hopefully I exist somewhere <laughs> in the middle here. So if you can deal with either of these extremes, exactly, yeah, we're looking for real connections with people. And I think that also the paralysis of choice, especially in New York City, has made it very difficult. Oh gosh. I've had people literally in the break, in the break and speed dating, go on Tinder, find someone a couple of bars away and just leave halfway through. Mm-hmm. People are looking at these as disposable dates and not putting enough time in. There's always somebody around the next corner and around the next corner. And that that is a dangerous precedent or way to yeah. think. It's terrible. I have too many friends going through it right now. But that was actually a good segue into this next question. So someone said, I'm finally off dating apps and going out more to meet people. Everywhere I go in Hoboken and Jersey City, it seems like everyone's either in their young 20s, just looking to party and hook up or they're all in relationships. I'm starting to feel hopeless. Is there any way I could branch out to meet people without having to get back on apps or, jo or joining some sort of activity club? Uh, that last part is the caveat. Like, well, so full answer? Like, no, like that is literally how you meet people. Exactly. However, there's something called the third place. And the third place is places that are not home and are not work. Uh, that people congregate. And that used to be places like pool halls, Elks Lodges, Rotary Clubs, knitting circles, whatever it is. And all of these things have steadily declined. So we don't have as many third yeah. places to physically meet each other. But it's super important to meet each other and be able to bounce off each other in real life. And yeah, well, the working from home is great on some aspects. So what do we have to do? We have to consciously balance it out by going out by joining an activity club well i don't want to do that well then not her but i don't want to do that well then you're not interesting to me because you're not doing anything that i'm interested in finding out about mm -hmm. so you've yeah. got to get out there and start interacting with humans because each person you meet's a thread to somewhere else that you can follow along with yeah i think that's great it, it's true. You have to get out there to meet people or else you're not going to meet them. Yeah, so I kind of equate it back to the pool again, too. It's like if, if you just sit there, nothing's going to happen. Once you break the balls, you're never going to be able to predict exactly where everything lands. But now you're in play. Now you're in motion. Ooh. and Weird, random stuff can happen. I and mean, we all have those stories, right, of New York, New York nights. Yeah. Like, so I walked out thinking it was going to be just a normal night and, you know, things happen so oh yeah one of the most unpredictable dates I ever had was I was sharing an uber with someone to go home and we were talking in the uber and we got out before we even hit jersey and went to a bar to have a drink together because we kind of hit it off in the cab like where yeah. does that happen <laughs> yeah I one time to challenge myself I left home without my cell phone got off on a subway stop that i've never been off at and went out to a bar that i've never been out at just with armed with my own wits to talk to people and see where i could bring the night what could happen just armed with just me and it was challenging and fun and hard and then i'm in a cab from like uh midtown to the meatpacking district and all of a sudden my phone rings uh mm -hmm. and then i realized i don't have a phone yeah and I look down at the cab and there's a phone ringing next to me in the cab. 
And I just look at him like, wherever this, where what is ever on the other line of this right now is going to be where my night goes. I love that. And it did. And it was amazing. And I've got uh, very interesting stories from the rest of the night. But like, yeah, because you got to embrace the random. You got to be, you got to be out there. There's a phrase, luck favors the prepared mind. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be an element of luck in everything. But if you are out there and, and done the inner work. Oh, yeah. Luck is going to have a much easier way of finding you. Going out alone is so scary and intimidating for some people. Me, especially, I need, I'm very social. So just kind of going somewhere to sit by myself was terrifying to me. But when I was trying to meet people at one point, I was like, you know, I'm going to go sit at the bar and have a glass of wine. I'm going to bring a book. And at the time, I wasn't even reading that much. I did that exact same thing unknowingly too. Back when you could smoke cigarettes in bars when I was living Mm -hmm. in Hoboken, late 90s and stuff. Friday, Saturday night, and as an extrovert, I I like other I like to I feed off other energy. So some nights I just like go down to Odd Fellas and and uh, get a pint, get my book, smoke and smoke cigarettes, and reading a bar in a book is that expected or unexpected? I think it's unexpected. So freaking every single person wanted to come up and talk to me, and at first mm-hmm. I'm annoyed. I'm like, do not see the book. Isn't that weird? But what is it about I that? that? This was like the best accidental chick magnet that i and i met someone that night oh yeah once we got home said anything you want to do to me you can do to me anything you want me to do to you i will do to you and i'm like this was from reading a book at a bar that's a fun little trick i think it's good for guys because girls are going to take you more seriously and it's good for women if you want to say hey i'm sitting here alone feel free to approach and have have a slight activity like um Mm. a cross stitch or a book or a crossword puzzle or something that you you're doing so you're not you know just sitting there looking around because while you may think oh it looks like pathetic that i'm out by myself what i'm gonna see is that woman is so confident and awesome look at her out by herself Mm -hmm. enjoying doing this i want to know more about this person yeah i love that that's and that's again why i say this valentine's day people all you people that are single, this is a prime time to go out and meet somebody. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Go out to the bar and bring a book on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Dude, I, w- I, will, I would lay money down if we could get a couple of people to do that. that to it try would, it out. They're going to end up on a date. They wanted it to go. Yep. I would agree. Because 100%. also then you get to decide what book it is. Huh? Like, um, Not even just that, but if you don't want to talk to the person who approached you, if you're not interested... You have a very easy out. I would like to get back to my book. Totally. I used to put my hand down on the book, keeping my page if it was someone I didn't want to talk to. And if Mm -hmm. it was someone, I would take the bookmark out and put it in and close the book. They probably didn't realize that, but that was my own little thing of whether Mm -hmm. I, because like, "Mm, yeah, no, no, oh, you're still, you're still going to talk to me. Okay. okay. (laughs) I'm at a really important part here. Yeah. And again, don't try to front something that you're not because it's not going to work out, but Read something you like. Someone else is going to, but like if you're, you're reading a yeah. book on astronomy, I may not know about astronomy, but I want to know what you know about astronomy. I want to know what cool things are going on in the world of astronomy right now as well, too. So you get to choose which facet of yourself you get to present forward. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I would recommend anyone to try this trick. Um, so then someone else says, I'm tired of people that I'm dating, breaking it off and blaming it on themselves. For example, saying I've decided I don't want anything serious right now, or I'd like to work on myself. And this is happening for this person out of the blue. 
They want to know, is there a polite way to ask someone to cut the bullshit and tell me what really went wrong? I think if more people were honest, I could actually work on myself going forward. But most of the time when things are going great, from my point of view, and they end out of nowhere, I feel completely left in the dark as to why. This is one of those Pandora's boxes things. Like, you think you want to know this information, but pretty much you don't. So, um, I'm not, I'm not the dating expert here, but what my mind goes to immediately with that is it's not the right person for you anyway. That that is the nicest way of putting it. Usually at this person, they may be trying out other people, but I guarantee you, if I say your ass is too fat and I don't like the way that you chew, that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. Like there was this, oh my God, there's this one girl that I dated that was the sweetest, kindest, sexiest, most beautiful, caring and fun girl that I, you know, could find. And we would go to trivia nights and in like, like the, I don't know, two or three months of dating, she didn't know one question ever, not, not the answer to one question, which was just dumb as a rock. And it was just... I just couldn't after a while. I just couldn't. And Mm -hmm. no, there's zero chance in hell. I'm going to tell her what the real reason was. It's not me. It's you. I'm just not ready for a relationship. I don't think it's fair to you. All the stupid platitudes that you hear. I'm just, they're just coming out. I'm the, whatever makes her stop crying and go away. And so usually it can be like, you don't want to know that some other girl beat you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, someone else was sexier. I thought she was thinner than you. So I decided to go with that one. So what I will say is to those listeners that are out there, try at least not the ghosting, but it was a pleasure to meet you. It's just not the right time for me. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to have to accept that. You ne- will never get the closure that we want. Even if you get the closure that you think you want, that can mess you up for the next relationship. Yeah. So I understand this comes with men as well, too. Like, we want to know, like, what happened? What can I do to improve? But it isn't an exit interview. And most likely, the reasons that you think it ended are probably right. You know, because we all know our insecurities. We all know the things that our gut is feeling. And there's no reason to have them doubled down on and, and brought shining out to the light. So... I understand the sentiment wholeheartedly. So my last question is for me, and it's kind of a fun one, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I feel like you probably have a great answer for this. I would love to know if you have the craziest first date story of something going bad for a client or just like some crazy story. (laughs) One bad date on the opposite side that one of my clients continuously got is he was so boring that the dates were outshining him. He was taking girls to the trapeze school on the on like on the Hudson or something like that outside and the girls would remember the date but not him because the date overshadowed him which I thought was interesting interesting challenge that he has as what had specifically for that um that's a crazy first date that's pretty ballsy if someone asked me to do that I'd be really upset if they surprised me with that I know one guy that was out on a date and his date, his female date made out with his female friend on the date that he was on with her. 
So I know like that that's happened. One of my worst first dates is, is I agreed to good. There was a dating show called hooking up back on, I think it was on ABC back in like 2003, 2002. Luckily I have not been able to find it online. So it technically does not exist anymore. Um, anyways, I was, that's when I was on match.com and there's a woman saying like, Hey, you know, this show is following me around, you know, be aware of that. If you want to go out on a date. And I was like, yeah, I'll go in. She seemed cool. I want to go out on a date with her. And it was just unfortunate that, you know, so MTV has got to set up all of or whatever ABC has got to set up all the places and get them ready and get okays and shooting script and stuff like that. And it was just unfortunate that it was just like one of the times, as soon as we kind of like met each other, just the, like the vibe was just, you could just tell immediately that we weren't right for each other. Yeah. But now we had a whole evening planned on camera that we had to like slog yeah. through. And at one point we went to Slate to shoot pool. I was telling her a joke. Um, uh, was it um, something about like an interrupting cow? You know, what did the interrupting cow say? Moo. Right. And I did a prolonged moo cut to the TV show. They just had me mooing to her. Oh my God. I was the bad date. So not only, so when this, so I almost got away with nobody seeing the show. Almost. I was working for a hedge fund called Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge Cap, Capital back in those times. Send me this video. <laughs> snuck into work like the next day that it aired, like nothing big. And then all of a sudden I get like one guy being like, dude, did you? I was like, oh, oh. No. Basically yeah. they tasked the entire IT department that day with finding the episode downloading it and disseminating it to everybody in the firm oh. and everybody watched it and i just basically had to watch what i know was going to be a train crash just like happen in slow motion and just you know oh my God. down through yeah the floor <laughs> but i did i did i did actually a uh, funny story many many years later i'm driving i'm stopped at a uh, in new york city with a bunch of friends we were out drinking and she walks across the street and as we passed by, we all rolled down the windows and moved uh, at her as we drove by. That's great. That was kind of That's funny. great. Yeah, that was, yeah. So bad first date on Thank camera. you for Everybody sharing. And thank you so much for doing this. It was great. You have some great advice. Um, tell everyone where they can find you on social sure. if they want to reach out to you. Ooh. Plug your stuff. Uh, you can find me at my website, Hunt for Advice. I've got probably somewhere around three or 400 dating articles that are out there that you can find to read. There's videos of me all over the place. I've got to call. It's time to redo my website and bring all those videos back into one place again. You can find me on Instagram at Quest for Advice. I'm actually one of the Jersey City Reddit moderators. If you would like to come on there and insult me anytime you want, you can find me there. Um and yeah, please reach out to me because I love doing stuff here in Jersey City. I work in the greater New York City area and I mm -hmm. coach people all across the world right now. And, you know, I just got off this morning with a woman from Dubai uh, and I've got a dude in Florida later and a, a dude in New York City after I get off of this with you. So I love people everywhere. I think it's a wonderful and fascinating world. And if you want to change your relationship status in 2023, Come to me. I'll help you on that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Hunt. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Glad we could figure everything out today. And I look forward to the next time. Of course. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. bye.